You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. Hi, I'm Rod. I'm going to speak for a while. I do have a kind of stuck, a little fragment of caramel stuck in my spiritual jaw, though, because I, during the, what was that song? Be still, my soul. That when disappointment, fear, and grief are gone, I kind of got stuck there, which is good. I'm still kind of chewing on it because it's a good. It's something I needed, and that got me while I was while I was, while I was passing by. It made me think of this uh, time when I had a cell. That's you know our, what our cells are. They're like little fragments of the body of Christ, little churchettes that we have. They're they're these little tiny things. Some are bigger than others, but mostly they seem a little small when they're in someone's living room. And I had one one time that got that kept getting reduced down to me and the apprentice, and we, until it was just us. And I decided, well, let's go. Out, let's at least go out to dinner and see what's happening. So we'd sit there at dinner, and we really didn't have a lot in common. So we had these very boring dinners. I was going, wow, this is really disappointing. I'm I'm grieving over the loss of my cell. I'm afraid this thing's going to die off, and I'm going to be embarrassed or something like that. So I prayed about it. It's sort of like Jesus praying over the the bread the time that he fed 5,000 and he took the fragments that everyone had, the little bits and pieces that everyone brought together, and he prayed over them, and they became this big meal for everybody, 5,000 people, big deal. And then afterwards he told us that he was the bread of life, actually, and that was just like a rendition of it. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm talking about. Well, my cell kind of ended up that way, too. Stuck with it a little bit, prayed over it. And before long, we just met all these new people. It became this really vibrant cell that had these very interesting homeless people in it and multiply it in all these strange ways. And so it, it, uh, it's a good thing. And, that, and that's one of the reasons I come to you tonight um, in honor of uh, the fragments. The, um, I got one. I just love it. I just do this and they just jump. That's, what you, that's why you have friends. If you don't have any friends, that's why you have them. They, just, they do stuff like that, you know, and I'm sure someone will hear will be your friend. Snap your fingers and see what happens. Um, oh, I forgot my glasses, too. Oh, good. I'm glad I put the title up there, because that's, that's what I'm going for. The, I'm here in honor of the smidgens, the, the snippets, the little, the little bits, the, the fragments that we usually uh, dismiss. Um, you know, we oftentimes even Christians criticize little things, you know, you think they wouldn't because they were told that their faith, like a mustard seed, was enough. Uh, they still end up despising tiny things like my little tiny cell, like I was doing. Even though Jesus said, hey, look at the lilies, would you? They're, they're actually clothed like Solomon in all his splendor. Jesus is really attuned to lilies and sparrows and people who are sitting by the side of the road. And... Uh, it's unfortunate whenever we despise those kinds of things, like normal people from West Philly and South Philly and Center City meeting down in their tiny little 7 p.m. that they think is too small, whereas everybody or something like that. You know, when from this, this, this little small thing, obviously in Jesus' hands, who knows what it's going to be? You know, it depends on how you look at it, right? You shouldn't probably despise the tiny things. That's not the, we shouldn't despise the small things. I think that's a big mistake, and I intend to prove it, like over and over again. That's what I'm saying. You see, you see my title, and that's what I'm going for. And before I get uh, uh, 
get done, I hope that you're going to be feeling like a, a, a big whale who really knows how to feed on fragments. If you don't know what that means, I'm going to tell you right now. Because uh, by the end of uh, April, during this blue season of the year here, uh, when we talk about the, all the, the deepest things of life, um, I hope we'll all end up by the, by the end of the season feeling big, like we've, like we've got some nourishment, we've become something. We kind of know how to swim in the deep. You know what I'm talking about, right? When I talk about the blue season, earth is kind of green. We go earth, wind, fire, and water. We're talking about the development of our spiritual life. We have these kind of seasons of it that, we, that filter into our thinking. And earth is like green. And uh, the wi wind is like uh, yellow. And fire, of course, is red. And then we get in the blue. We're in the ocean. We're in the deep. We're in the, and uh, that's, what, that's what Lent is all about. So by the time you get through the water season, you know, I'm, I mean, that might be the season of your life like mine. By the time you're 60-something, you know, you get to be a whale and you're feeling free and singing in the deeps. You think you can go with the whale thing? You're going to hear a lot about it. So I hope so. I don't know if I can convince you to get with the metaphor, because some people don't even like metaphors. It's like, oh my gosh, what are you, you going to do with me? You know, that's, all, that's how I think. But I think this is an especially apt one because of what whales are really like. And if you know all about this, then we'll just resonate with each other. If you don't, you'll learn about whales, and it'll be worth coming down for, because <laughs> they're really the best animals. You know, they're, they're titanic, of course, but they're, they're, they're probably the animals that feel most comfortable in the ocean just because they're just so big. They don't even have natural predators. They're so big. And even the killer whales that attack them periodically just kind of bounce off them because there's not much you can sink your mouth into because they're just too big to put your mouth around. And so uh, they're, the, they're the largest animals that ever known to ever, uh, that we know about have ever lived on the earth. They're that big, about 100 feet long, this guy. It's like a semi-truck and tack on two cars. That's how, when next time you go by something like that on the freeway or something, say, wow, that's, that's, that's big. Their tongues alone can weigh as much as an elephant. So if you're a whale, it's like you and your elephant tongue, but insult somebody. Wow, you have a giant tongue. Um, their heart weighs as much as a car. It's big, and, and you can hear it beat like two miles away if you're listening for it. If you were swimming along to, to its heart, it happened to be just beaten out there by itself, you could swim through its aorta. You could just go right up in it because it's that huge. It's, they're very impressive. And I think you should become as uh, like a, a spiritual blue whale and think of yourself as a potentially impressive, swimming in your ocean of grace. You know, the, we, we often talk about that, that this is the environment in which we live, this truth and love, this grace of God, this undeserved favor of God that made us and that envelops us as we are wandering through life, swimming through life. That's how we live. And I think you should aspire to live in it like a whale. And so I'm going to keep talking about it. You probably know that blue whales in particular are members of the baleen species of whales. You know what a baleen is? It looks something sort of like this. The, the spines that are attached to a, a blue whale's top jaws are like fingernail, about this, this texture. 
or what it, what would that be called? Um, character. And um, the, this feature, their anatomies, the fact that they have this is one of the reasons they were almost hunted to extinction because a baleen spine, like, like you can see right there, is also good for making one thing that was really important in the Victorian era, the corset. So baleens were almost uh, killed off because the people wanted to put their bodies in prison. <laughs> so uh, that's unfortunate in any number of ways. But um, whales use their baleen when they, after they gulp a whole gigantic amount of water and their bellies and their uh, stomachs spread out because they're kind of pleated and it gets real, it gets even bigger. And then they push it all back out with their gigantic tongue and it goes through the baleen and what's left over is uh, the little tiny organisms that they feed on. Uh, they're called krill. So here's how small a krill is. They're very tiny. So a whale will go up a ton of water, um, sorts out the krill, swallows them all whole. And during, during certain times of the year, when uh, it's, it's warmer, you know, and krill are multiplying like crazy, an adult blue whale can uh, consume uh, four tons of krill a day. Maybe you know, already know about krill, right? Because you are very familiar with SpongeBob wear, SquarePants. Can I hear it, Mike? This is something you would know. Um, one of the characters is this guy. You know, anybody know who that is? Of course it's Plankton, of course it's Plankton. Sometimes Krill is uh, confused with Plankton, like on that show. And uh, Plankton in the show is really um, hates blue whales because they ate most of his ancestors. And so he has this, this deathly fear of whales. I don't know why I didn't put that in. But the... Because I, I, I'm really not calling you to eat little organisms like in the spiritual metaphor I'm making. Like you should be swimming around in your ocean of grace and you're looking for little planktons to eat or something like that. That's going to get very confusing. You know, so don't, don't go too far with it because this, this uh, metaphor definitely breaks down at any number of levels. What I'm really going for is that you should look for the fragments floating by in the ocean of grace in which you're swimming. It's, you have a lot of provision for you and it's right at your um, uh, lips. You can just open your mouth, your spirit, big spiritual whale mouth, and eat them, strain them out. I'm coming to you in honor of the, the fragments because they're multiplying like crazy all around you. And you might miss them if you don't see yourself in the right way. Because if you do figure this out, I really think that you probably could become a pretty competent whale at least like the size of a baby whale, which is about the size of a four-story house when they're born, um, they could, you could, um, you know, be like a, a, a good-sized whale by April. You know, by the time Easter rolls around, if you're working on it. And you probably end up singing like a whale, too. You knew I'd get to that right, because whales are famous singers, and you wouldn't want to ta start talking about whales unless you talked about how they sing, especially the males. When the males get going, when they start the reverb down below, you can hear it like 600 miles away. They often, they often swim around alone, but they think that if they start singing, someone's going to hear them. And I guess if you're a thick, you can you know, reverb for 600 miles, I suppose someone will. So they like own the entire ocean, and they feel real comfortable about this, and they can communicate 
across great spaces of, of it. You know, and if the men if the men start singing around here, you know, and they start the low tone, they really they really actually do it rather than just waiting for the song to get over, then they could uh, really set some stuff going. And who knows who might hear it? They have power to give to in their own unique way. So you see where I'm going. There's a there's a mysterious symphony happening under the natural sea by animals who feed on tiny things. So it's almost irresistible to compare that to us since we are also a mysterious kind of being and we feed on tiny things too. I think that's the most accurate way to see how we grow in Christ. We're feeding on the, the fragments. You've, also, you've already been presented uh, and with enough fragments in this meeting to have, uh, I mean, there's been a ton of them. And everybody who walked in who knows Jesus is carrying like tons of, of krill for you. There's a lot of spiritual krill if you're looking to strain them out. Going with that? The, the vastness of our souls and, and the wonder of being in eternity might scare us to death when we're first taking our first when we're taking our first steps of faith. That after we've drunk our first cup of cold water, we've had our first sip from the Lord, and we've put our toes into the ocean, so to speak. And then we've learned to swim a little bit and we get more acclimated to how it feels to be in the water. And then finally we've experienced something of the depths. We can't really help but sing. Deep calls to deep, the Bible says. And that's just a fragment of the Bible, that little line. It's a little bit. But it's really rich in spiritual nutrients, isn't it? The deep of God calls to the depths in us. The depths in us respond, resonate to the, the deep parts of God. And we're brought into the fullness of who we really are and where we should be living. At the beginning of Psalm 42, the psalmist gives us a picture where he starts as like a skittish deer looking for a pool of water in the desert. This may be more of a chunk than a fragment, but it's so rich. Why don't you see if your mouth is big enough to get around it and, and, and say it with me. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Check it out word by word and see uh, what it means to be honest with it. I mean, especially if you feel like you're kind of skittish, like a deer. By verse 7, the psalmist isn't thirsty anymore. Kind of amazing. It's a great. It's a great piece of poetry. The psalmist isn't uh, thirsty for water in the desert. Uh, they're actually immersed in a waterfall. Something's really changed in just a, a just a few sentences. Even more than a waterfall, the waves and the the billows of the ocean are washing over them, and they're not scared at all. It feel it feels good. It's a it's a refreshing kind of sense to it. Real maturation from verse one to seven, right? Went from earth, wind, fire, water. Zip. We made it. I was a skittish deer, 
looking around for water like deer do, a little pool somewhere. Now I'm something much more like a whale that's comfortable in the depths by the time I got to that. I think he made a point of it personally, that it really doesn't necessarily have to take that much time. You know, you might think that, boy, I'm so tiny now that I'm really going to have to take my whole life to get anywhere. I'm really such a nothing. I'm so tiny. I myself am like a mustard seed. I, I might be a deteriorating mustard seed. I don't even know how, however you think of yourself. But the, even by the end of Lent, I'm thinking you could go through a couple of verses of this psalm, probably, and get somewhere. That's how we have these things. You know, we, can, we, we start out wherever we start. We really do think we're going to get somewhere because we actually do think we live in an ocean of grace and we aspire to be whales in it. We're not just uh, talking about it. We're going to feel it. We're going to try to be in it. That's why we immerse ourselves in these seasons. So I'll read this fragment of two and see how it feels to you. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over. How do you get from this thirsty deer to the whale-like person or being that's actually comfortable in the billows? Well, what, I've been t what I'm telling you is that it's a lot like what a whale does when they're eating krill, feasting on the, the fragments, so to speak, the snippets. I know that's hard for an American to even think about. That's why I keep, I'm, I'm trying to like, beat it in a little bit because um, we're, not, we're not really spiritual whales, but we have our big feeders in this country, and we think that um, getting food and getting more of it is what we really ought to be doing like all the time. I think that's why so many of us in the country are big. We are big people. And, um, you know, it's like the, I, I was thinking it's like the, uh, what was it, the amber waves of, gray, of grain are more like the amber waves of golden arches. You know, and we're always driving through and thinking that we should be getting more. I don't know, maybe you're not like that, but um, I think I kind of am. I, I don't, when, I go to, when I go to the restaurant that has small plates, like I did on Valentine's Day with Gwen, I said, oh, we're at the small plates restaurant. Isn't that cute? Look at this cute little piece of whatever that is that I paid $15 for, whatever. You know, and it said, uh, more like $30, I think. But the, uh, you know, so I was making fun of it because I'm, I'm a Golden Corral kind of person. You know, and I, and I think I should, be, I should be getting more, you know. And you may have the, that attitude when you come into this meeting. You know, I'm, you may think, boy, whatever Rod is dishing out, this is just a little collection of small plates, isn't it? You know, when are we going to get the turkey leg? I need something, you know, because, and, and you know, when you come in every week, you know, you think Rachel's supposed to come out with Thanksgiving dinner. And if she doesn't, you say, well, I should go to another spiritual restaurant where they actually feed people. You know, this doesn't have enough in it. I just want more. I need more stuff, because I never really eat anything. I just get stuff. I'm just into, I'm just into getting it. It's sad. You know, uh, when, a whale gets, when a whale fills himself up on his four tons, he doesn't go out and get another four tons like the next five minutes. You know, he's got enough, and he waits until it's time to eat again. You know, he's got a natural thing, because he lives in a, in a real environment, like he was made to live. Not these artificial environments that are always just clawing after something. got to get something. More love, more food, more anything. Just give it to me. You know, I never get enough. So you could, you could do that right here in this meeting, too. You know, and you could see it in how you're going to deal with the songs like you just dealt with. You know, how, how did, were they enough for you? Did you get what you wanted? Did one of the songs say uh, something that was uh, 
so obnoxious that I said, I hope I don't hear that again. Or if you, maybe you knew a song and said, I hope I don't hear that song again. That's, that's, that's so boring. Or so they don't know how to sing it right. Were you critiquing how they did it, maybe, instead of receiving whatever fragment was coming your way? How do you, how do you work with it? You can kind of see how you're, um, whether you're ever going to be able to feed like a spiritual whale in the depths of the ocean of grace. Kind of look on what you do right now. I think it's better to come to worship like, um, I know I'm just sort of talking about whales, but I really think you might want to come as a bee too because the Lord is probably going to mate you in a tiny way like, uh, you know how bees are going from flower to flower? I, I think bees are important right now since they're dying off in the world, so I, I, I like think about bees. They go from the flowers that have nectar, because that's how they feed, and they also go to the flowers that should have nectar that don't. And they're searching all day. That's why they're going around on every one on your bush. And they go around to the next bush that doesn't even produce nectar, but it looks like a flower, so they go to that too. And they're always checking it out just in case this time it has nectar. So they're very open to whatever comes their way. They have a lot of confidence that I'm going to get what I need if I just keep going about it in my little tiny way. I think that's a good way to go to, um, to worship, too. Do I have too many organic metaphors for you? Are you getting overdosed yet? Because you've got whales and you've got plankton. You've got bees. You've got flowers. You've got farming. You know, and uh, you have lilies. You've got deer. You've got the water system of the earth. <laughs> all to try to encourage you to look at this reality that grace is all around you. And no matter how tiny you think you are, who you think you are, or how you think this works right now, you could open your mouth and aspire to get the fragments that are floating by. God, God's prepared a lot of nourishment for you. You could change your mind from the scarcity mindset that says, I just got to get more. Where am I going to get it? I don't have enough. To saying, no, really, I'm a whale. And I know there's going to be enough. I'm the biggest thing on the planet. I'm big. God made me big. I think you should feel like that by the end of Lent. hope so. Take all those things in, all those tiny morsels that are actually filled with eternity. Take them in and sing. Coming to worship with us or, or opening up to feeling Lent. Um, here's another thing, by the way is a lot like this Kandinsky painting. This all goes together, kind of. Do I have it? You know this painting, maybe. It's, it's pretty famous. He's pretty famous, and I happen to like him. But um, Kandinsky, was, Kandinsky was trying to make a, a point with this painting. Of course, he's a very philosophical painter. And he was trying to have a painting that was a lot like music. It was a lot like singing. He wanted to do in his painting what you might do if you were in a song. When you're in the song, you just sing it and you just feel it. It's not, it's in itself, it, has, it, it, is, it is a point. You're not singing the song to make a point about another song or to think about the song, you're actually doing the song. So he wanted you to feel this painting that way and to experience the painting. It wasn't designed for you to critique it so you could talk about it some other time. It wasn't designed to evoke some other symbolic feature that you should get from it but that you should actually experience it the way you were experiencing it as you entered in. So it's a very immediate kind of art, which I appreciate. And uh, I think that's what we're doing when we, we come to the worship. Like when you had that song, the song you're going to sing next has this one line in it, another fragment that says, it says, I'm going to, I want you to meet me, Lord Jesus, 
because I'm on my way to lengthening my will to meet you. I like that, that one little fragment. Now there's a big there's a big canvas out there, but I think she probably I, I think she might want to just get this one little weird line because it's about getting bigger. Lent is about coming to its fullness. You know, Lent is about going somewhere to the ultimate of what this mystery is that we're swimming in. It's gonna be you know, put right before us, vivified in this communion ceremony we have, but the mystery's a lot deeper, and we're invited into it, like uh, Kandinsky's inviting you into this painting. It's a very, he thinks it's a very spiritual painting, and so do I. But uh, what we do all the time is like that, and we, if we just will open our eyes and be there in it, I think we can get a lot, you know, take it in and sing. So I hope you heard that when you come up to the table, you should just swim up with a lot of confidence, all right? And just take in the next fragment that you're going to get. Israel's gonna tell us exactly how it works, but I hope what you won't do is despise the small things. You being a small thing, us being kind of a small thing, the communion ceremony itself being a small kind of thing, Lent in our context seeming very small, in, in a lot of people who don't really care about it. No, that's, that's where God meets us, is in those small things. Whenever you meet a tiny fragment of goodness in it, eat it and sing. 600 miles away, they might hear it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us in this great environment that you've made for us. So it's surprising that we sometimes have to figure out how to open our eyes again or feel it in a new way or be present again, but we do, and you, you know us, and you come to walk with us, to journey with us. Your depth calls to our potential depth. The deep parts in us resonate to the depths of you. We're grateful for that. Help us to be comfortable in that mystery and to swim this whole season and get bigger as we feed on what you've given us. Praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.